Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dead Degree! Welcome to The Nerd Degree, the comedy panel show where two teams of nerds do battle to prove who is the wittiest nerd or the nerdiest wit. My name is Jeff Clark and this is our small episode. That's all the time we have. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> no, just, no just, just kidding. This episode, our two teams will look at all the small things that surround us, bind us and irritate us. From exploring subatomic fusion reactions to nitpicking movie mistakes, which of our teams will be the most small-minded? So, uh, we are now going to introduce our panellists, starting on my left, uh, they'll introduce themselves, and I'd also, as a little question, what is something small that annoys you? Am I starting? Yes. I hate going first. (laughs) Uh, My name's uh, name's Dan Bain, I'm the artistic director of the Court Jesters, and um, yeah, that, that was my thing. Excellent. Okay. I didn't prepare anything. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yep, my name's Andrew. I'm an animator on the show The Barefoot Bandits. And something small that annoys me, I hate to admit this, but I hate apostrophe abuse. I'm sorry. Apostrophe <laughs> abuse. No, no, no. You're, well done. Well done. You're, you're, you're in good company here. And what is your team name, please? Uh, we are, of course, the uh, Littlest Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> Thank you very much. The Littlest Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> Wonderful. And from the other team... Uh, my name is Erin Harrington. I'm a university lecturer and I'm writing a book on horror films and stuff. And the thing that annoys me most at the moment that's little is that I have to dress like an adult human being at university, which mm. is one thing. But on the inside of my slip that I put under my dress so that you can't see the awful outlines of like my Kmart underwear, it's this tiny little tag. And it itches me so much, I now have like this little scar on my rib cage, mm. just from that horrible little itch, and I hate it. I see. That's, that's a big, big issue from a, such a small thing. Uh, and my name's Ben Allen. I'm a complex assemblage of proteins, and uh, <laughs> I, small things that annoy me, I have two children aged four and six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Only some of the time. Okay, and uh, what, is your, time. what is your team name, please? Uh, we are Underlay, Underlay, Amoeba, Amoeba. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very much. All right. And, of course, keeping score in the booth, we have Brendan Bennett. How are you, Brendan? You know, just sometimes when you think about the universe and, like, how massive it is, and then, like, when you think about how small you are in comparison, like, does it make you feel really, like, small? It does. It makes me feel tiny and insignificant. Like That's what's... because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom minutes at the booth, everyone! Alrighty, so um, the first round, round one, is called the Nerd Quotient Round. And I will ask the teams uh, some questions. They will have to answer them correctly or creatively. Points will be allocated for either. So please, roll for initiative to see which team will get asked the first question. Twelve. Twenty. 20, oh. natural Critical hits. Wow, well done, littlest pet shop boys. The first question to you then is, what is a sky prawn and would you eat it? Um, <laughs> sky prawn is uh, it's, um, just basically it's your everyday variety of prawn being served like in, as part of an airplane meal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's generally served cold, uh, little little kind of 
salad. Mm, cream, cream. Uh, and so I would eat it, but only under um, duress. And by duress, I mean by being on an aeroplane. <laughs> I see, I see. Would, uh, interesting, but incorrect. It would um, depend on how long it had been on the buffet for, I think, as to whether or not I'd eat it. What flights are you on that have buffets? <laughs> <laughs> uh, up, up the front of Emirates, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, are, they, are they like tiny little floating krill things? No, they are not. I was thinking not. of District 9. The Sky Prawn. They <laughs> come down from the sky and, uh, and they did eat them. Floating South Africans. No, no, it's not. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a clue. It's, 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 actually, it's actually a name for a, an insect. Mm, is it the name of the Sky Prawn? <laughs> no, it's actually oh. another name for locusts. Oh. Uh, a, a restaurant in Dunedin has started serving deep-fried locusts under the more palatable name of sky prawns. Are they the crustaceans of the air? Yeah, apparently uh, <laughs> apparently, swarms of diners have enjoyed the delicacy and the restaurant is looking to start an insect dinner menu including scorpions, tarantulas and more. Um, who? What do you think the, the price is for a plate of uh, five deep-fried locusts? I'm not sure, but is, like, is there a thing... I just want to make a gag before I answer this question. Sure thing. And now that I've said that I'm going to, it's going to suck. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, is it like a seven plague like degustation? Yeah. <laughs> you start with frogs, yeah. then there's rain of blood sausage. And, and, and you finish off with all you can eat pox. Yeah. <laughs> not quite, not quite, no. So um, what was the actual question? Oh, what do you think the How price would be? Cost? How much do you think they charge for, for a plate of five well, um, deep fried locusts? So they must import them, right? If it's a locust. If it's a proper big locust, they've got to get them in from overseas. Well, what, what do they serve it with? Because it'll be like gold-plated caviar kind of... Sprinkled around the outside to rock it up to seven hundred bucks. Or something. Well, keeping in mind it is in Dunedin, so um, <laughs> if it brings to mind because if you get the fancy locusts from overseas and you go to another restaurant trying to get on this cage and eat, and you go, "This is a damn cicada!" What is you trying to pull like? Yeah. I don't know. Well, well, you sure, sure there isn't like a you know like a local locust location, <laughs> like, a locust local locust locale. Well, they I'm do call like. Dunedin, like the, the, the most Scottish of cities, do they like deep fry them inside the mouth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, not, lo- not, not quite. So, uh, our price each, and whoever's closest will get some points. Eighty-five dollars. No, see, they think it's really expensive. I think it's, I think it's like street meat. And it's yeah. like six bucks. Littlest pet shop boys are closest. It's five dollars for a plate of five locusts. You can get a dollar a locust. Wow. That's a good. Rate. So it's a low cost locust. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. Woo! Thank you, thank you. All right, uh, a slightly more existential thing. What is the smallest thing in the universe? Underlay, underlay, amoeba, amoeba. You get the first chance to answer this. What is the smallest thing in the universe? It's Did Donald s- Trump's penis. <laughs> Would explain why he might be compensating for it this entire time. Ooh, political, but no. Any, any other, any other? Smallest thing in the whole entire universe. Yes. Um, is it is it a type of particle? Subatomic particles. Potentially, Protons yes. and neutrons is, and electrons. Is, and is it the fact, is it the distillation of our ignorance about what the universe is actually made up of? Existentially, yes. That's probably, that's probably close. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, Littlest Petra? Is it the amount of talent on New Zealand's Got Talent? <laughs> I haven't watched it, so I don't know. So if I haven't observed it, does it exist? But I'm not sure. But maybe the, the universe goes on forever maybe everything in the universe is the smallest thing in the universe that's that's a good thing it actually helps narrow it down what is (laughs) (laughs) to everything in the universe (laughs) it narrows it down to everything in the universe is the universe the smallest thing in the universe what is this what is the smallest unit of measurement that they can make the plank unit 
Correct. So what Absolutely the, right. Yes. Is the smallest thing be string from string theory? String from string theory. Yes. That? Yes. Okay. That is probably the smallest thing. It is uh, called the Planck length. Surely, which how is, big the plank is depends on how long the person is. <laughs> on on the how plank. long it takes to walk it. Yeah. 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 How, the plank. The plank. The length of the plank is relative to how long is the piece of string mm. theory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the plank length is effectively one point six times. 10 to the power of negative 35 metres, which basically means it's the number 16 preceded by 34 zeros and a decimal point, an incomprehensibly small, small scale that is implicated in various aspects of physics. Um, they've basically said, no, at, according to the uncertainty principle, no instrument should be able to measure anything smaller because at that range, the universe is probabilistic and indeterminate. At the Planck, scientists have quoted as saying, at the Planck length, we expect quantum gravity takes over. So all of the smallest things are going to be roughly the size of the Planck length. So that was a very existential slash tricky one. Let's go with um, what is but the... we still got it right. Yes, you Let's did. Just, Absolutely. Uh, Let's not forget should, that. Um, I'm just thinking they should uh, rework the Olympic distances in planks because it would sound much more impressive when you're able to say, I won the one billion trillion plank sprint. Yes, absolutely, yep. absolutely. And, and, you know, planking doesn't take on the same level of achievement. Um, what, is the, um, what is the smallest living thing? Well, I'm waiting for Dan to say Dan, mm. but <laughs> <laughs> if, if, we're, if we're thinking about existential... Eggs and living things. Monocellular animal. Mm. Is it an amoeba? Uh, is it an amoeba? Is it an amoeba? What is the smallest insect? Is it a micro locust? That, no. you, can, that you can get for 50 cents? <laughs> yes. No, no. Is it a krill thing? No. It's, I'm just going to keep saying krill. I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Is it a chigger? I just wanted to say that word as well. No, it's not. It's the not male the... parasitic wasp. It's 139 micrometers. But the female is 40% bigger than the male parasitic wasp. Yes. Uh, what is the smallest primate? <laughs> oh, is it one of those tiny little... I, I don't know oh, the name of it. I was reading about the, it the other day, and there's this exotic the species... Is it the, uh, the golden trafficking marmoset thing. or something? Yeah, like marmoset. The, 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 mar- the, like the, the tiny little Wellington Zoo guys. And they look like those little clippy koalas golden that tamarind. you can get in Not, not quite. No, there's something a little smaller. Uh, 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 is it I.I. Monkey? No, no, it's the is it mouse... Is Davis from Return of the Jedi? No, it is the, it is the mouse lemur, which is oh. 92 millimetres in size. It's under 10. They're so tiny and cute. Like, I wish I had pictures of them. And the, um, the final, final one is, what is the smallest fish? Krill. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you some points for that I, I technically not a fish, I smallest aquatic, aquatic creature absolutely but the smallest fish what, how, how big do you reckon it is it's going to be smaller than the smallest primate fish and f- there's freaky stuff going on in the ocean yes there is who knows how many of them are swimming in my ear right now in a number of <laughs> if you were to guess uh, it, it's called pedocypress <laughs> Pedocypress, yes, that, which that sounds makes things so much dodgy. clearer. What do you think the length is? Is it two planks? <laughs> <laughs> it's this big. What would you say? Yeah, plankton. That was a good gag from the audience. Nice, plankton. Yep. Well, How many millimetres? Uh, another one where we give a measurement. What, what less measurement? than one millimetre? One millimetre exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, once again, Littlest Pet Shop Boys are closest because it is 7.9 millimetres. 7.9. It appears that in order to, in, in order to meet the, uh, the criteria of being a fish, you have to have an, an, an internal system of some kind. So it is uh, slightly larger than that. So it's 7.9 millimetres. What happens when you get beneath 7.9 millimetres? You have to throw them yeah, back. Yeah, you just become a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
And DeLorean goes back in time to <laughs> Alright, um, uh, underlay, underlay amoeba, amoeba. What country is making a small step into space? Is the Vatican like launching a rocket from the top of the Pope house? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone to the top of the Basilica and they put a ladder up yeah. there and then just see how high they yeah. can get. No, it, it, um, it's, it's a country known for its very low costs of most things. They produce many things at a very low cost. Locusts? No. No. Uh, Littlest Pet Shop Boys? China? No. No, it's India. They recently launched a seven metre long mini space shuttle at the relatively small cost of $14 million, which is almost half the cost of Kim Kardashian's wedding. (laughs) As, As a matter of scale, how much do you think NASA spend on their shuttle missions or spent before they were discontinued? Money. A lot of money. How much money do you think? NASA is 1% of the US federal budget or something. Mm-hmm. It amounts, it amounts a lot of money. Uh, $12 trillion. trillion. Not quite a trillion, no, no. $12 billion. $12 billion. Dollars. 12 billion. 12 trillion. No, it was each space, shuttle million, uh, each space shuttle mission costs somewhere between $450 million and $1.5 billion. So that's ridiculous savings. But the results are priceless. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, what is the world's smallest computer? Um, it's the size of a blood cell. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. nanomachines. It's, it's the, oh, it's the nanomachines the government are injecting in our food <laughs> to um, kind of mind control us. I'll give yeah. you partial points because it is small enough to be injected into our food. Um, yeah. Well, you're not giving us full points because you haven't woken up yet, sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like a tiny little um, machine that that you can make by arranging atoms in, in certain ways, in the same way that tiny little pictures can be drawn at a microscopic level? Not quite. It's it, it, connect four at a tiny little microscopic it's, level. It's, no, it's it's called the Michigan Micromote, and it measures just one millimeter cubed. Micromote or microboat? Micromote. M M three is the the code for it. It uh, was built last year, and it has the ability to take pictures, read temperatures, and record pressure readings. It can be used from anything ranging from medical to industrial. It can be injected into the body. It can be used to go into oil wells to detect pockets of oil because let's not, so we all need more oil, don't we? Well, isn't um, it just an overachiever? Yes, the, uh, interesting enough, it's, uh, it's 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 called M three. That's the uh, abbreviation from uh, what it used to be called, which was mm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, obviously, um, obviously, it's too small to have a keyboard port. Um, how do they communicate with it? Wi-Fi. Can it go into airport mode as well? <laughs> it could probably go into ear ear mode. It could just fly away. Um, do they uh, do they tell the message to a pet of Cypress and then it swims down to the, to the right level? And no, no, they use light. They uh, use strobe light flashing to um, to to both program it and charge it. They can send information to a central computer via conventional radio frequency. So Wi-Fi is very, very close. Um, the, the, the M3 is ready for production now. The faculty and staff are already looking forward to creating even smaller computers, which they call smart dust. But I'm <laughs> suggesting they call it dust motes. Right. Uh, mm. That was really funny. Yeah. yeah, it got a tiny, tiny laugh. <laughs> All right, um, final question for this round is... Why can everyone now justifiably feel like they're being watched by tiny eyes everywhere all the time? Uh, because we are. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is it to do with insects and insects being everywhere and them having tiny eyes and them watching us all the time? <laughs> well, no, it's even smaller than that. Is it Do you know micromotes? that insects want to see me naked? Mm. That is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, they, do they communicate with you with little flashes of light yeah. to go a little bit further? Go on, do it. Come on, baby. No. <laughs> of course not. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be high. What's the question? Um, <laughs> what? Why can everyone now justifiably feel like they're being I'll watched watch. everywhere all the time? It's about it's. They found something that behaves a lot like an eye. Is I'll it, put you out of your misery. Is it because? No, wait. I've got an answer, and it's a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> is it because we've scientifically discovered that the moon and the sun are actually the eyes of a giant? Creature that is watching us. What is going on with that creature's no. physiology? It's one tiny moon eye yeah. and a sun eye. But well, like, had like, an accident as a child. Like, don't point it out. It's like solar conjunctivitis. It just needs to use some ointment and then, to like, go down. We find out. Oh my god! The Earth is the nose. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, they are the bogies. British. The <laughs> it's the, actually it's British. It's bacteria are effectively the world's smallest eyeballs. British and German researchers have discovered that um, the cell body of a bacteria acts like a lens. When light hits the surface of the cell, it reflects into a point on the other side, and then the cell knows where the light is coming from and can use its tiny little tentacle structures called pili or pili to pull themselves forwards. No one noticed it until it until they did so by chance, which measures just three micrometers in diameter. So the smallest eyes are just three micrometers in diameter. They're in the bacteria. They're everywhere watching you Creeping all the time. Creeping eyeballs. That's yes. Disgusting, Jeff. All right, and that brings us to the end of the Nerd Quotient Round. <laughs> all right. And how are we doing on scores there, Brendan? We're doing great, Jeff. You know, it, it, I was just thinking about Dan's point about the... Sun and the moon being giant eyes. Mm. A strong know, point. point. Do you know why the sun and the moon appear to be roughly the same size? It's, why? It's because the sun is 400 times bigger than the moon, but it's also 400 times further away. Conspiracy. So the two things cancel each other out. Wow. It's and that leads us to Andale, Andale, Amoeba on 10 points, but the littlest pet shop boys are on 18 points. Oh, <laughs> Right, well, that brings us to round two, known as acrimonious acronymity. If there's one thing that nerds think are okay or makes them lol and helps avoid a case of TLDRs, it's acronyms. In this round, I'll be reading out some nerdy acronyms, and the teams must ding in when they know when, if they think they know what the acronym stands for. Who will be the MVP, or will this round be DOA? For instance, as an example, before we start properly, Spectre in the James Bond films, stands for Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. I think you'll find that's a backronym, mm. Keith. Sorry, I'm just being an asshole. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what does HAL 9000 from 2001, A Space Odyssey, stand for? Happy and loving. <laughs> Not quite, and, um, but deeply ironic, given the events of that film. Hi... Andrew Long. <laughs> 9,000 times. Happy and life-affirming. I'm sorry, Erin. 
I can't award that. Oh. Is it helping astronauts live? <laughs> <laughs> that would be ironic. It was. Well, no. It was heuristically programmed algorithmic computer. Uh, what else is interesting about the um, acronym HAL? It's one letter before... And the alphabet before IBM. Yes, yeah. yes. H-A-L is also Ooh. IBM. I'll give you a partial point for that. All right. What does S.H.I.E.L.D. from the Marvel TV series and the Marvel Cinematic Universe stand for? Uh, stop helping everyone. I like dicks. <laughs> it's an interesting way of spelling S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, <laughs> partial points for that. S- simply... So, so, so this is so this is with regards to various weaponry and stuff in Marvel something something something. Simply hiff it everywhere and let them die. Mm-hmm. Superheroes inconveniently and effectively make our lives difficult. <laughs> That's a good one, Ben. I'll give you some points for that. Andrew, do you have anything? Some humans in entertaining. I didn't quite get after like that. Lycra. Lycra. Diapers. It stands for Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. And as one of the characters says at the start, what does it mean? They means they really wanted our initials to spell shield. That's too much for one division. If your logistics division is also doing homeland security, you need to, you need to compartmentalise. Yes. Right. You need some middle management. All right. Uh, what about GLaDOS? From the Portal game series. G-L-A-D-O-S. Something, 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 something. Operating system. Those are two of the... the uh, yes, it does end with operating system. Yes. Demand 25% of a point. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it's 33% oh. of a point, but that's... Uh, yeah. If only I had some kind of supercomputer. <laughs> Get laid and don't overshare. Right? <laughs> One of the key goals in Portal. Gosh. Like, amazing, Daniel. <laughs> operating system. <laughs> it's a genetic life form and disc operating system. All oh, right, here's so, a... So it's not grumpy lady algorithm deciding overall science-ness. Oh, but that's very good. That's very, very that, that's, good. That's like the machine mensch from uh, Metropolis. That's what Maria does. All right. That's a classic film reference. I just yeah. put it out. Let's go for some slightly easier ones then. What does TARDIS stand for from Doctor Who? Time and relative dimension and space. Correct. Yay. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I belong here. I belong here. What does... Um, Kit from Knight Rider stand for? Ooh, Keeping uh, it trial. Knight Industries 2000. Correct. Knight Industries 2000. Another point, yes. Uh, what does Pern, which is the name of the planet in Anne McCaffrey's Dragon series of novels? Pern, P E R N. So many of those. You yes. think I would have known them? People like... everywhere read novels. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. People everywhere do read those novels. Uh, like. Karen's got every single one of those at home. She's got like the chartered tax accountants of Pern and all those. <laughs> yeah, I've got no idea what it stands for. Well, the acronym wasn't actually revealed until very late in the series in a short collection of short stories when the planet was originally discovered. It was Parallel Earth Resources Negligible. Oh. Interesting. Okay, um, Wally from Wally. Wow. W a l l e. Waste allocation load lifter or something. Uh, 
from Earth. Everywhere. Yeah. Earth, yes. Earth, Earth class. Absolutely yeah. correct. Yes, well done. <laughs> All right. Uh, mask. The Hasbro, uh, Has- the Hasbro <laughs> toys and the cartoon series and comics. Yes. Mobile Arms Strike Command. Yes. It better be right. <laughs> Mobile Armoured Strike Command, which they spelt with a K. They spelt with a K. <laughs> Absolutely. I was sulking from this, just so you know, like, listeners at home, I've been sulking since everyone decided I couldn't spell S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> due to their conventions, but I've re-entered the game now. Yeah. Why, spelling why command spelling with command with a K? <laughs> All right. What is um, the BFG 9000 from Doom? Big fucking, fucking gun. gun. Yes. Uh, they tried to pound it off as being the big fragging gun, but uh, yes, big yeah. fucking well, gun. It was Bioforce gun in the movie. Was it? Yeah. Aww. There are so many things that they did so badly in that movie, I'm not surprised. Uh, a comic book, a, a cartoon one? Uh, Gross from Calvin and Hobbes. G-R-O-S-S. Uh, girls are stupid and stinky. Or... Yes, it's actually a really badly structured acronym. Yeah. It's get rid of slimy girls. Yeah. That, that's like, um, that's yeah. like in Married with Children, No Ma'am, which is the National Organisation for Men Against Amazonian Mastery. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. The 1980s. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and now I won't use that one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's great. You get points for that. That's yeah. great. Um, OCP from Rob- Robocop. It's only consumer products. Correct. And finally, everyone's favourite from Marvel Comics, Modok, the supervillain, weird, floating, giant head creature, Modok. M O D O K. My. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty much how I'm feeling about the end of this round. Yes! It's the uh, mechanised organism designed only for killing. But I'll take that <laughs> as a. Oh, oh, only for killing, does it? Not like. But there must be lots of other things it does. It must talk to people. It no, must, it's 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 must like. Is that the guy that runs a game show? Is that that guy? Modoc. I don't think so. <laughs> no. I'm thinking of Guy Smiley, sorry. Ah, right, absolutely. Right, that brings us to the end of Acrimonious Acronymity. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Brendan, can we have an update on the scores, please? We sure can. The littlest pitch up boys are on 33 points. But through the power of knowing what things stand for, <laughs> Andale, Andale, Amoeba, Amoeba are on 46 points. Goodness oh. way. Oh. Wow, that's, that's, they've surged ahead. Fantastic. All right, that brings us now to all the small things. We've all heard of the butterfly effect, where a butterfly can flap its wings in Ecuador and cause a hurricane in Denmark. In this round, we'll be looking at some very little things that had very big consequences. I will say a small thing, and the other teams must ding in when they think they know the giant consequence that it led to, and how and why. To start, termites. What is the giant consequence of termites? I imagine they ate through something made of wood that was probably quite important. No. It's the opposite. Instead of... Eating through something massive made of wood, they unionised, they went on strike, and they refused to eat something oh, massive yeah. made of wood. So people were expecting wood to get eaten, like, we need Just all this wood no to be eaten, and then they didn't do the job because they were on strike. They are on strike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and consequently there was so much wood that there was a big fire, and that's how the Great Fire of London started. <laughs> Uh, interesting piece of history revisionism there. Mm. True facts. Uh, but not quite. Uh, little special boys, do you want to speculate as what termites are going to do, what the big consequence of termites will be? Oh, will be? Oh, jeez. Well, the Great Fire of London uh, was 1666. Uh, so. Yeah, well, um, uh, we're going to run out of food and we're going to eat them for five bucks a thing. At a thing. Uh, that's not a comedy answer, that's just no. the doom that we're all moving towards. <laughs> well, they are going to doom us because termites are going to destroy the earth and roast us all. Oh, Apparently, termites are the second highest producers of methane gas on earth which, and makes them one of the main contributors to global warming. A conservative estimate puts at least 250 trillion termites out there, meaning they outnumber us puny humans 40,000 to one. Where's the anti-termite lobby? I believe they're called most people. They tried to get it together, but the two mites were too organised because of their unionisation, and they just shut the whole thing down. All right, here is the here is the reasonably small thing. What is the giant consequence? Forty dollars in late fees for a copy of Apollo thirteen. Is it the reason why I went back to university? So that I could earn money, but I ended up like getting a doctorate and shit instead, and now I'm a lecturer. To pay for my fees, because I forgot to take it back. Was it what finally brought down Blockbuster Video? Like, they just, there was one outstanding $40 late fee. And they really needed to make, like, their rent payment. And they're like, come on, man, I just need $40 from our client who's got... And then they couldn't make it, and then they had to shut the whole thing down. Your answer is absolutely correct. (laughs) But your rationale is completely wrong. Yes, a forty dollars in late fees for a copy of Apollo thirteen did destroy Blockbuster because uh, the co-founder uh, of Netflix, Mark Randolph, was thinking about using the internet to sell something, but he didn't know what he was going to sell until <laughs> Blockbuster forced him to pay forty dollars for the Tom Hanks classic. He was inspired to start an online DVD rental company, leading to the rise of the entertainment giant and one of the world's biggest dot com success stories, and ultimately the decline of video stores. <laughs> Do you want to know uh, who, who here can tell me how Blockbuster doubled down on their bad decision making? They charged him 80 bucks. No, they changed it to no late fees. They changed it to a million They late changed fees. it to, we'll give you a DVD if you hire a DVD for free. <laughs> they changed it to, if you bring your DVD in late, we hit you in the face with a rake. We'll change, they changed it to, if you don't bring your DVD back, We'll give you an extra DVD, but we'll murder your baby. <laughs> no, um, Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix for only $50 million in the year 2000, and they said no. Presumably, while they called each other on their rotary phones and waited to receive letters from their loved ones. <laughs> All right, um, a missing title card from a feature film. A missing title card from a feature film. What was the giant consequence? Was it that people thought that some horrendous, tragic film like Schindler's List was actually a black comedy? No. Black and white comedy. Yeah. Black and white comedy, yeah. <laughs> was it that people went to the film and there was no title, it was like an old-timey silent film, and there was no title card, and they didn't know what was happening, and then everybody was like, oh, God, we have to invent sound in movies. No. I'll, I'll give you a clue. It has something to do with copyright. Was it because something didn't have the title card, which has the little copyright doofer down the bottom, an entire film wasn't copyrightable, and people did stuff with it? Yes. Can you identify the, the movie? Is it a well-known movie? It is an incredibly well-known movie. Is it like Star Wars or something? No, no. Um, the missing title card led to a zombie apocalypse. 
Because when Night of the Living Dead was released in 1968, someone forgot to put copyright notice on the final print and accidentally put the movie into the public domain immediately upon release. (laughs) So besides shafting George A. Romero out of more than $30 million or so, it meant that other movies were able to use the zombies that he created and the zombie rules without fear of being sued, which meant that this little nip of a mistake unleashed the massive shambling force of the zombie genre. The legislation was fixed in 1976, and uh, may, which means that any movie subsequently released after that, even if it doesn't have a copyright notice on it, is still copyright. And subsequent amendments of copyright law mean that no one will ever, ever be able to use Mickey Mouse except for Disney. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't the beginning of the zombie films, though. There were. That's that's the. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Dr. Harrington is putting on a cannon. Yeah. Yes. Just my glasses. No, it was the beginning of the second wave of zombie films because yep. the first wave of zombie films came from uh, films like White Zombie and then later um, I Walked with a Zombie, which were these kind of melodramatic romances mm-hmm. that drew from the Magic Island and that whole Haitian kind of Voodooan type yep. uh, tradition. But it was George A. Romero who just went. Fuck that shit. Make them random. Yes. And now we have zombies. Yes. Now we have zombie. Now we have zombie films. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I'll give you bonus points for that. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. We all I learned wish, something today. I wish I had an area of expertise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is the only place that my um, area of expertise. What about um, lizard genitalia? That's true. Well, this. This might, there this are is, questions about that, right? This might. This How might. How small is a lizard pussy? Interesting. Interesting segue, Dan, because. Uh, what was the consequence of using inches instead of millimetres? Ah, too many lizards in a <laughs> vagina. Ah, that's too many. <laughs> too many. Like, yeah. I can fit three. And then it's like, in inches. Is, oh, is, there's seven in there. Is this to do with um, one of the various Mars landry type yeah, things? Absolutely. The European Mars. Space Agency was using different unit measurements to the, to the NASA, and they were sending each other the same numbers without realising that one of them were talking about inches and one of them were talking about centimetres. That's correct. In 1999, NASA lost the $125 million Mars Climate Orbiter because one team of scientists used pound seconds instead of newton seconds for acceleration readings. No one noticed the mistake during the nine-month voyage, meaning that the probe went so far off track that it, when it entered the Martian atmosphere, it was swiftly destroyed, meaning it was literally lost in translation. Using inches instead of millimetres caused a Martian fireball. I feel like you misled me as to how my area of expertise would be able to be helpful in answering but, that no, question. But consequently, we never met the Martian lizard people. That <laughs> that is, yes. on, yeah. Well, on the topic of, of lizard people, how what was what was the what was the consequence of using the wrong sort of lithium? Oh, created um, the wrong sort of lizard people. <laughs> Is, is it in a way? Yes. Is it to do with lithium being used in Seven Up as a mood stabiliser? No. Is it that the Energizer Bunny uh, used to be the Energizer Lizard uh, <laughs> until they until they switched to lithium batteries, and then they felt that it, lithium didn't really have a lizard kind of feel to it. It was more of a bunny element. No, no. no. It, it, you're on the right track with lizard, but it's a much bigger lizard. Lithiumopolis. Smashed through Tokyo and no one noticed. Uh, it did destroy Tokyo at one uh, point, it yes. It wasn't what they dropped into the sea to make Godzilla. Uh, well, in a way, yes. Using the wrong sort of lithium did, in a way, create Godzilla. During the first test of a dr- dry fuel hydrogen bomb on the Bikini Atoll, codenamed Castle Bravo, uh, they used the wrong sort of lithium. There was a theoretical area 
era, which um, was that natural lithium is normally made up of a mix of lithium-6 and lithium-7. The lithium-6 reacted as everyone expected, but lithium-7 reacted slightly differently, which is much the same as saying that water reacts slightly different to petrol when you put it on a fire. The lithium-7 meant that the bomb exploded three times uh, with three times the force. It went from a 5 megaton explosion to a 15 megaton explosion, created a 14,000 metre high mushroom cloud and caused widespread radiation poisoning, which included... The crew of a Japanese fishing vessel called Daigo Fukuryu Maru, Lucky Dragon Number 5, <laughs> and was in part the inspiration for the Toho film Gojira. See, I was wondering if it was that they used the wrong dosage of lithium carbonate on Godzilla, which didn't rectify his mood disorder, so then he smashed through Tokyo. Absolutely, that's entirely possible. Yeah. Just yeah. want to say... They're just a bit wonky. That um, we just found out that Godzilla got painted with a bikini. Mm-hmm. Bikini, bikini adult. adult. Mm-hmm. Turn, a, turn a bikini upside down. Triangle. <laughs> Illuminati. Lizard eye. Lizard eye <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> oh. Bonus points to Dan if the lizard masters will allow it. All right. That brings us to the end. That brings us to the end of all the small things. Oh, what are are the scores like now, Brendan? Well, Jeff, one thing's for sure. The real loser of this match is the person who has to edit out all the references to lizard vaginas from the podcast. And that so, person is me. Yeah. <laughs> lizard vagina, lizard vagina, lizard vagina. <laughs> In other news, surging ahead is Andale, Andale, Amoeba, Amoeba. Damn it. Not even going to mention your score, Dan. It's too bad. (laughs) All right, we come now to the final round. It's a small world after all. They say that cockroaches will be the only things to survive a nuclear apocalypse. And in this debate, each team will pick a traditionally tiny species and explain why they deserve to inherit the earth after all of humanity is wiped from the face of it. So, uh, Team Ondele, Ondele, Amoeba, Amoeba, you will be arguing that Smurfs should inherit the Earth. It's true. And Team Littlest Pet Shop Boys, you'll be arguing in favour of fairies taking ownership of the Earth. Now, um, Team Littlest Pet Shop Boys, because you are slightly in the, in, in, in the bringing up the rear. We don't, um, we don't know that. Brendan didn't say what the score would you like was. To oh, go, you're a long way behind. Damn it. <laughs> would you like to go first or second? First. First, absolutely. So, Little's Pet Shop Boys, you have one minute to make your opening statements. Uh, first of all, I'll just say I love fairy breed. Um, <laughs> it's a party staple. Uh, and that's going to be amazing. In this kind of uh, post, post-apocalyptic world that's run by fairies. Um, of course, many people are thinking of fairies in terms of them being small creatures down the bottom of the garden we think of them more as uh, things that will steal your baby and replace it with, like, a changeling virgin, version. Yeah, we're talking about creatures that have so far managed to survive basically every folklore myth that's ever existed. Even when entire races of people die out, their 
their fairies still live on and are told by later people to replace them. So they kind of already have inherited the earth repeatedly. And once we're all wiped out, I think they've got a good chance of staying on without us. And how will they wipe us out? By changing our heads into the head of donkeys. (laughs) (laughs) That is the thing. That's the thing that they do. They're known for it. Thank you, Littlest Pet Shop Boys. Uh, Opening statements from Underlay Underlay Amoeba. So, so, so Amoeba. what's the question again? We're going to inherit the Earth post apocalypse. Yes, which, which race deserves to inherit the Earth? Well, firstly, Smurfs are Belgian. That's true. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that just so speaks for itself. Already they come with yeah. great chocolate. Yep, they do. The, the thing about the Smurfs, though, is that they're going to have to rebuild the Earth somehow, and Smurfs come in every single occupation. In fact, I went to the greatest uh, font of Smurf knowledge, Wikipedia, and found out the following. We have Hefty Smurf, Brainy Smurf, Harmony Smurf, Sloppy Smurf, Tracker Smurf, Scaredy Smurf, Handy, Very Handy Smurf, Vanity Smurf, so on and so forth. You just... They're poised to do everything. They can take on any role. And Smurfs are battle-hardened. What have fairies had to put up with over the years? Nothing. They just piss about at the bottom of the garden, turning people into donkeys. Smurfs have gone up against one of the most vicious characters in all the fiction, Gargamel. Now, Gargamel has come at them in every which direction with his equally vicious cant, Azrael, and the Smurfs have come up on top every time. The, the most amazing way that the Smurfs came out on top was when Gargamel uh, launched his ultimate weapon against the Smurfs, Smurfette. They were able to survive a single woman. They can survive the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Strong words from Underlay, Underlay, Amoeba, Amoeba. Uh, Littlest Pet Shop Boys, you have uh, 30 seconds to uh, make your rebuttal. Okay, let's talk about whitewashing, or should I say blue washing. Because <laughs> uh, all you hear about is handy smurf and like brainy smurf. We never hear about the rest of the smurfs. We never hear about pornography smurf. We never hear handy about... smurf. It's <laughs> 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 But it is interesting that you bring up smurfette. Now... The Smurfs are at a disadvantage because without her they can't reproduce and they needed a wizard to bring them that. Before then they had really no way to increase their number. They just sort of... Genocide Smurf. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Oh, Racism Smurf. Unlike fairies which just go out and fornicate with whatever they can find and then there's more babies. I see, right. Okay, a good rebuttal there from Littlest Pet Shop Boys. Uh, your rebuttal uh, on the land. Two things firstly. There is another female Smurf. Her name is Sasset. The second thing is we don't know anything about Smurf reproductive organs or, in fact, how they reproduce full stop. So we can't make assumptions about how they're going to live on. The thing about the Smurfs is, uh, the moment any difficulty, they like, these guys are throwing shade at the, th- at the Smurfs, but the thing is, when anything a bit Smurfy comes up, the Smurfs just Smurf the Smurf out of it. And then by, by Smurfing everything till it's absolutely Smurf, till they're Smurfingly fine, then, then any Smurfing Smurf is Smurfed. Very convincing words. Thank you very much. That was uh, worthy of a Donald Trump speech. Um, all right. Um, good arguments and counterpoints made by both teams. Uh, I'll give each team you have uh, time to make your final statement, uh, a catchphrase, a very short uh, one sentence or slogan as to why your particular race should uh, inherit the earth. So, Littlest Pet Shop Boys, why should fairies inherit the earth? If we shadows have offended, <laughs> just think this, and all is mended. There's no more yielding than a dream. I see, I see. Thank you very much. And final statement from Underlay, Underlay, Amoeba, Amoeba. 
Smurf on, Smurfer Smurfers. Yeah. I think there's only really one thing that we need to say, which is come along with the Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> Pornography Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, Underlay, Underlay, Amoeba, Amoeba, using the co-opting the Snorks theme song <laughs> as opposed to the Smurfs theme song, which does, which does not have any lyrics, but simply goes fa la 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 la. That wasn't related. I'm just saying that we should come along with the Smurfs. Sure. All right, audience, swim along with the Smurfs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> audience, I will put it to you to decide who you believe. Deserves to inherit the world of humanity after we have inevitably destroyed ourselves. Do you believe the world belongs to the fairies? Or do you believe it belongs to the Smurfs? I believe that the Smurfs has it, which means that the Underlay Underlay Amoeba Amoeba team have claimed the essential points that they needed in order to um, to creep slightly ahead. Uh, and we didn't now, get into a whole pre-prepared statement about the Smurf economy, which, yeah. is a, which is a Wikipedia section you can go and read if you really want to. Now, um, Brendan, I'm no mathematician, so I'll leave the work to you. What While you're adding up the scores... Um, I'll just take the opportunity now to promote uh, The Nerd Degree, which is recorded on the first Wednesday of every month here at Orange Studio, um, and of course is broadcast on the internet in its various in various forms, all of which are most easily found by going to nerddegree.com. Brendan, who are our victors this evening? Well, it turned out to be very, very tight. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, they, they almost made it, but unfortunately... Andale, Andale, Amoeba, Amoeba didn't quite manage to double the score of the Villas Pet Shop Boys, but they are still the winners tonight. Thank you very much. This has been the New Degree. I've been Jeff Clark. Thank you. Good night. Woo!